every little thing that you do, that every recommendation that you get could equal 10 more bits of business for you. Um, so, you know, if you're talking about client catching, word of mouth at scale is what social media and the internet does. But word of mouth in general, like the referrals that you get, that's just an organic, inexpensive way of building a business. You're listening to the Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with a talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. This episode of the Client Catching Podcast is sponsored by the Think Like a Fish £100,000 Growth Accelerator Mentorship Programme. Now, it's designed to help you add £100,000 of new client revenue by implementing my proprietary growth methodology into your business, the Growth Accelerator ecosystem. And it's done so that you can repeat it again and again and grow your business to the next level. And unlike most consulting programs out there, I'm so confident the results that you can get from this that the bulk of your investment is linked to you landing clients and hitting predetermined revenue targets up to £100,000. Now, if you're curious and you want to see how this all works, then register for my on-demand masterclass, the three growth accelerators that can add £100,000 plus of new client revenue to your business in six to 12 months. And you can do that at thinklikeafish.co.uk slash masterclass. That's thinklikeafish.co.uk slash masterclass. Well, hello and welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now, in today's ocean of complexity, It's more important than ever that your growth strategy is built on principles that don't change and they're simple to execute without them taking up more hours than you have available in the day. Now, this is why I believe when it comes to marketing a high trust service on a practical level, there's really only one thing that your marketing activity should be focused on, and that's starting and continuing conversations. But those conversations, they need to build relationships with a specific group of human beings who you can either add value to, do business with or collaborate with. Now, that sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Well, because it is, I pretty much guarantee that you know how to have a conversation with someone because you do it every day. Because if you really think about it, the entire reason that you do marketing, it's so you can start a relationship with somebody that will ultimately support potentially doing business with someone at a future date. And what better way to do that than having conversations that showcase your expertise, share your unique worldview and spread your message in an authoritative and trust building way. Now, if you're wondering how to actually do this, That's exactly what my guest today is going to be talking about. She's an award-winning journalist, and to date, she's interviewed nearly a thousand people from chart-topping artists and Grammy Award winners to politicians and business leaders. And she's taken all of this experience and built a boutique uh, podcast production company, serving the vision of entrepreneurs, celebrities, and influential organizations around the world that provides a concierge-style service to ensure your voice is being heard where it needs to be. So I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today on the Client Catching Podcast, Ginny Sarawati. And have I said that right? <laughs> Adam, I have to say a 10 points for the uh, the effort in that. It's Saraswati, but you know what? You've done better than most people do here every day. So uh, 10 points for you, Adam. And thanks so much for having me on the Client Catching Podcast. I love the title. It's very catchy. Excuse the pun. 
but uh you know thank you for having me on the show <laughs> no worries no worries at all it's it's uh yeah it's it's a pleasure to have you so um you've got a pretty diverse background haven't you and it's it's not been without struggle and it's not been without challenge so why don't you give us the the kind of snapshot to, to how you've got to where you are today and and how it sort of shaped the way that you now go about business absolutely so thanks adam for the intro yeah it has been a diverse background and i think diverse is a very um apt word for <laughs> describing the crazy that has been the past 10 15 years of my life um i actually started out as a shy kid um, I was very quiet, very to myself. I didn't really like talking that much. And I remember when my family moved from Sri Lanka to Australia, I was two years old and the environment around me didn't really reflect what I was used to seeing. You know, I'd go home and people would look a certain way and I'd go to school and people would look completely different. So there was this constant, who am I, where do I belong? You know, Beyonce, I woke up like this type situation going on that I didn't know when I was given questions about, you know, why, why are you brown? I'm like, well, I woke up like this, but you know, Beyonce wasn't around at the time for me to actually say that. So, um, you know, it was kind of like, I was trying to really find what I was supposed to do in this, this new country we'd gone to that was so much colder than where I'd come from. And, you know, it went, I went through, you know, so many things growing up in terms of, you know, figuring out who I was. And there were so many layers to that in terms of, you know, sexuality, cultural expectations, you know, what did I want to do? Do I want to be true to myself? And these, these all sound very cliched, but they were, that was actually my experience. So when I met my best friend in ninth grade, I started to come out of my shell a little bit more and realize that I wasn't going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer purely because I despise science. I didn't really have much of a attention span to read law books um, that you need to to be a legal uh, legal representative. So if you need legal advice, please do not come to me. I will not. <laughs> I will not guarantee any help whatsoever in that regard. But um, I did like I, one of the things I really enjoyed was connection and conversation. And I wasn't aware of that at the time, but that's kind of what I took through to, um, you know, university. Um, and also, you know, I, I started getting into the arts and drama and acting and I fell across a radio station named Joy 94.9, which um, was what kickstarted my, I guess, radio slash audio career and had a morning show there on and off for 10 years where I could connect and converse with so many different people and, you know, from different backgrounds and successes. And it was probably to date the most rewarding experience of my life because one, Joy 94.9 is one of the only two gay full, full-time full LGBT stations in the world. And the second thing was it really did allow me to, um, you know, come out of my shell, grow into who I was and really gave me a platform to connect and kind of build my, I guess, my audio confidence, if that makes sense. And as a consequence of being on radio for that long, I fell into podcasting, which is why I've landed to where I am now in New York City. So, you know, these little insignificant decisions or moments in your life that you look back, you think, hey, if that didn't happen, that wouldn't have triggered the domino effect to me being right here right now having this conversation with you so that was a long-winded explanation of my diverse background there for you adam it is funny isn't it how how your journey can can sort of take so many twists and turns and yet you can then look back at where you are now and sort of think well it was these things that have really shaped it and is it right that when you when you worked at that radio station you, you did a lot of it for free and you you know you were getting up at 
what 4 a.m or something like that and you know that's dedication for a start right that's that's crazy um in in a lot of people's minds but obviously there's something about following a passion in there isn't there that you've now turned a business you know to that into a business i absolutely to what you said about a lot of the stuff I did do at Joy was for free. A lot of the people who worked at Joy 94.9 by six or seven were volunteers. And that was I was one of them. However, at the time, and now I can reflect back and contextualize it, but at the time, and I'm still this kind of person, I'm very much a go with the flow person. I don't really question things in the moment. I reflect later. It's just how I am. And I realize this about myself after moving to New York as well. I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like the go with the flow person. I'll be in the moment. You'll have my full and undivided attention. But after that, you know, I'll probably think back and be like, oh, that's what led me to here. So in my reflection process, that's what happens. And I think those 10 years that I spent at Joy, you know, hosting a variety of programs for free, it allowed me such value in the sense of it allowed me to get confident in how I was hosting a show by myself and with someone else. It allowed me to build a contact uh, a contact list of, you know, managers, publicists, talent agencies that I could take on and, you know, nurture those relationships wherever I went. And getting up at 4.30 a.m., it's not sexy. Like, it is not sexy at all. And going into a radio station, having to look presentable, it's it's one of those things that it was an experience that made me realize, too, that this is what I want to do. I remember there was a time I was working night shift. You know, it was 10, 10 p.m. to 6.30 a.m., and as soon as I finished night shift, I, I like, I'd roll into the radio station and I'd host the show till 9am. So I was that passionate about it that no matter what I had going on, I'd make it work. And it was just one of those things that I think I look back and I'm like, had I not put in the time and the hours that I did, it, it wouldn't equate to what I can do now and the freedoms that I enjoy now. You love doing what you did. Um, there was a passion thing, but you also saw it as, as I guess, a, an investment in terms of learning a skill when you didn't go in expecting to be the best at it at the very beginning, but you saw something in there that just sort of set you alight and you kept going with it. And, and I think, I don't know, maybe you found the same thing, but in, in today's sort of world of everything being so fast and on demand and all the rest of it, we almost have this expectation that if we try something and it doesn't work in the first 10 minutes, we should just stop and try something else and move on to the next shiny object or chase the squirrel that's uh, running in front of us, that kind of thing. And that happens when it comes to thinking about um, growing a business, marketing a business, attracting clients, all that kind of thing. But I think there is a, there is a, a huge amount to, to be said for persistence with with anything, with, with following what you actually want to be doing in life or growing a business that is going to be your, your, your sustainable yeah, source for, for the next however many years. I think there's so much in there and, and there's lessons to be learned there. But there's also something in there that you mentioned about making contacts and building a network, essentially, that, that you could then draw upon. Has that been a big part of, of how you've grown your business currently and what you've done to potentially help help clients that you work with as well? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you, you hear the quotes, Adam, you know, your network is your net worth and all those sorts of things about connections and contacts. And I found for me, especially being a podcast producer in a new city where, you know, I haven't grown up in New York City. There's, I, ha- I do, did know and do know people in New York City when I moved over, but it's it wasn't for me when I moved over. I was like, okay, this is pretty much a clean slate. Everything that you do, your reputation, it's, it's going to be, you know, important how you show up, how you present yourself. And 
my mindset shifted my mindset shifted in that time where I'm like you know the saying you know there's there's going to something and pitching for something and you know putting your your best foot forward but you actually have to show up you have to show up you have to deliver what you promise on there's all these things in business that we sometimes we have to look at the bigger picture in terms of what we're actually doing and the contact part of it, Adam, was, I, I guess, the biggest uh, driver of my business. 96% of my business is referral. Um, we don't really have a lead generation process. I mean, we do. We have like free webinars and power classes for podcasting and that sort of thing. But our referral, like the actual income that we get, the revenue turnover, it's 95% from referral. And for me, one, that's the biggest compliment a client can give me if they refer me because you know, that's them saying, I trusted you so much with my, I trust you so much with my business that uh, my podcast that I'm going to give you a a referral and a recommendation to a friend. And I think the point that you made there about, you know, this era being, you know, fast paced and on demand where patience is very rare when it comes to looking at the longer term and the bigger picture, when it comes to word of mouth, like you think of social media and you think of, you know, all the connections and the way that we can be connected to everyone else on this earth at the moment, you know, word of mouth goes a long way, especially word of mouth on a platform like social media. It's word of mouth at scale. So, you know, every little thing that you do, that every recommendation that you get could equal 10 more bits of business for you. Um, so, you know, if you're talking about client catching, word of mouth at scale is what social media and the internet does. But word of mouth in general, like the referrals that you get, that's just an organic, inexpensive way of building a business. Have you seen a direct sort of correlation between having a podcast and the amount of referrals? And has that been a good referral engine in a way, something where you've been able to have your client share your podcast or they've shared their podcast with other people and they've heard and they've come in that way? Do you class that as a referral or is it a direct sort of introduction you should go and talk to you know, genie that kind of thing it's actually it's it's both actually adam because what happens is at our podcast production company here at genie media what we do is we edit audio we do show notes we also create artwork from the audio or the video that the client gives us for the episode so when the client posts that created piece of content that we we make for them on their socials people are like how do you do that that's awesome they're like well you need to speak to my girl Ginny so it's kind of a two-way thing so after that happens I'll do an introduction so you know that to me is you know it's a two-way thing that in one way they're putting content out there that we're making for them that is you know representative of their brand and you know, putting their business and their podcast out there. And the other thing that they're doing is they're also representing us because we're making it for them. So it's kind of like a, a catch 22 situation, I guess, Adam, because on one way they're promoting them, but indirectly they're promoting us. And then through that, we get referrals. So uh, most of the podcasts, if not all, um, of the podcasts that we produce, none of them actually say, you know, this has been produced by Ginny Media. It's people just ask, how do you get that audio quality? You know, what do you do? So these are the questions that our podcast clients get. And then they just pretty much say, hey, speak to Ginny. We're having a conversation on a podcast. This this could get meta very quickly. But <laughs> where do you think a podcast sits in terms of um, a, a, an overall sort of marketing strategy? And would you suggest it's a good idea for anybody to start a co- podcast? Or, or would, would you say it needs to be a particular type of business or a particular stage? Um, I think if we're looking at brand awareness and if you're looking at, you know, showcasing your 
business or putting your business services or products in front of your desired or ideal customer. I believe podcasting is the next biggest shift in media. I think podcasting is something that, uh, you know, is going to be a platform that is going to be extremely valuable real estate, you know, 24 to 36 to 48 months from now. And why I say that is if you look at the, the point that we were talking about before, Adam, if you look at the way the world is going, we're only getting quicker with things. We're only demanding more speed from our services and our business. And as we demand more speed, what that the ROI on that is humans get a return of investment on their time. So we actually are trying, what we're working towards is saving our time. And that means we're going to be more efficient in our processes and how we do things and, you know, how we expect things. So so audio is the only communication medium that allows you to consume it while you can do something else. You know, you can't drive a car and watch a video, although some people do that and it's highly dangerous. You can't read a book (laughs) and drive a car because also highly dangerous. But, you know, video and, and text or written word, those two other communication mediums, you have to give those your full and undivided attention and the way the world is going we're not giving things our full and undivided attention it's very much i am doing this while doing something else and audio and podcasting will allow you to drive and listen walk and listen commute and listen work and listen so there are all these things that podcasting all these advantages that podcasting has and will have um and you'll see the effects of it you know over the next couple of years and and more is that you can multitask it gives the listener or your potential customer full autonomy to access your ideal customer or put out content for your business, I would definitely recommend in your content management or your content production plan to include a podcast. Now, having said that, a podcast doesn't have to, the intent of that podcast doesn't have to be like a weekly show because your intent may be, hey, I just want to do two podcasts a month because I want to chat to certain people and build relationships with certain people. So it might just be a relationship building vehicle for you. You know, another way could be that you could do podcasts um, about your brand and business that talks about, you know, certain um, information points about the services that you sell. I think a trap a lot of businesses fall into is they they end up like producing a podcast, but they produce it in a way that it's like a 30 minute ad on their products that gives absolutely no value to your listener because they're just hearing a 30 minute ad essentially. So if you talk about why you're doing your business and why you do what you do and how you do it best, and in that way, provide information or value to the person listening, that's a great way to build yourself up as a brand authority and a trusted pioneer in that space. So it all depends on the intent of your podcast, um, Adam. So if you're a business looking to start a podcast, think about why you want to start it. Is it to build relationships with potential customers? Is it to build relationships with potential vendors? Is it, you know, to create a brand awareness vehicle? So there's, if people want to know how do you, you know, plumb general toilets made by Kimberly Clark, they know to go to this particular podcast. So there's all these things that um, you can do nowadays with podcasts and that sort of thing, but it all comes back to the intent of the business. Why do you want to do it? Are you doing it just because you think it's the next fad or the phase? But also have a think about who's going to host it. Because I think another trap a lot of businesses fall into is, hey, we're going to get the CEO to host a podcast. But you have to keep in mind that you need to keep up with a consistent you know, release schedule. Your CEO is guaranteed to be the busiest person in your organization. So they, they may not be the best person to host the podcast. But if they are, how can you make recording process 
simple enough for them that they can commit to a two month, um, two, two episode a month release or something like that. Yeah. And, and, and it's a great way as well as, of, of getting multiple people involved or, you know, of the business involved in those relationships and building those relationships and showing that the business is more than just the CEO, for example. Exactly. If you, if you're a business that works from, um, you know, like a key account basis, for example, it's a fantastic way to start conversations and go deep into uh, an account or another business and interview multiple people in a business. And you, know, you could have a sales director hosting one, uh, you know, one part that's themed in one way, or you can have a, you know, maybe the CEO does once a month or once a couple of months. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily matter. It's about the audience and about the topic and making sure it's about the clients that you're serving, not about the business. And I think that's a, yeah, there's, there's so many ways you can use it. And especially as, as, yeah, the technology for podcasting, it's all, you know, it's, it's, it's getting built into cars now. Um, Spotify have, have invested multi, multi hundreds, maybe, I think of millions of dollars into the, the, the podcast platform. They've, they've put a lot of it into it. And as you say, it's, it's growing, but it's one of those, it's one of those channels. I don't know if you've, you've sort of found it that it's been quite a slow, but consistent and steady growth. And I, and I think that hockey stick growth that you see in in so many other channels it's not going to happen with podcasts in the same way because it's been so slow and steady up until now but it is about to sort of yeah go and there still is not as many podcasts as you think there are there's a lot list a lot listed but very few of them are updated um i think there's something uh, i i saw a, a talk by a guy who runs um um he runs a one of the biggest Disney podcast and 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 he sort of brought up a, a statistic that for every one podcast there's a thousand blogs yep so you are you know if, if you're sort of thinking right well I'm just going to concentrate on the blogging side of things or or whatever it may be or social media channel you are in a you're lost in a massive sea there whereas with podcasting especially if you're consistent with it you will you will stand out far more than many that are out there at the moment that's it's it's interesting that you say that too and i'm gonna actually make a note i'm I'm, adam like i brought out my notepad during our conversation because you've dropped such value bombs before recording (laughs) and during what you said about you know there's one podcast for every thousand blogs people are kind of like i have clients coming to me going this is such a saturated market i'm like dude really like think about youtube when it first came out and i think it was 2005 um from memory my my memory's a little bit um hazy there but Think about it, it was bought out by Google two years later because it was that popular. And there's like, I think the YouTube amount of videos um, online, it's up to the billions now, I believe. Um, there's that because, you know, YouTube's been around for 14 years now, I believe. And you think of the, the stars that came out on YouTube at the time, you know, your Gary Vee's, your Lily Singh's, like they are doing amazing stuff now. Like some of them have TV deals and some of them have like deals, like Gary Vee's obviously a brand uh, entrepreneurial icon at the moment. But when you think about YouTube and where it was and where it is now, you know, back then YouTube was the biggest shift in media. People were realizing, hey, we can consume video content on demand. We can consume, we don't have to, you know, sit in front of our TV 7 p.m. on a Monday night and watch a TV show. We can now watch videos whenever we want. Um, so I think also that's that's putting into context like what you said. Seven hundred thousand podcasts, I believe, was the last report Apple 
put out a, couple, a few months ago. It's not that much when you think about uh, at the scale that YouTube has grown to. So it's still quite, it's, there's still an opportunity to, to start a podcast. And it's relatively, when you think about, you know, the cost of doing a podcast, you know, there's so many ways that you can think about doing it with post-production, that sort of thing. The cost of doing a podcast is consider- significantly lower than starting a vlog or something like that. Um, so yeah, the point that you make there, Adam, it's, it's not as saturated as people think it is. I mean, for me, doing a podcast has, has been far easier and taken far less time to create and be consistent with than anything else I've tried. And it's been, it's been one of my challenges, um, consistency, because we all get busy, but to do a podcast, it's either a, a great conversation that, that goes between half an hour and uh, 45 minutes and the editing side of it, you know, it's, it's simple to pass off to other people. Um, and yeah, you, you, you can go, as you say, you can go further with it. You can have other things and bells and whistles, but essentially you sort of turn up at an agreed time and have a conversation with someone, or if you get something in your head and you just want to have a kind of, you know, get it out of your head and, and talk it. Most people can talk things far easier than they can write. So the speed of actually getting things up and, and you can repurpose all sorts of things. You can exactly. do Facebook lives if you want to add the two together, the, 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 the value of being able to repurpose. And you could start maybe even something like a Facebook live and then repurpose and take the audio out, put that onto a podcast. And then you've got all of those snippets and all that, yeah, all the, the ability to then sort of put that out across multiple different channels whereas you've put in maybe an hour's work tops it's it's a pretty good return on your time I think absolutely and what you said there too it's um you know that single hour time investment to put into recording the podcast with the said person or you know by yourself however you record the podcast and then the additional time you put into research or preparation for that recording so say it's two hours just from that two-hour time investment, you've got a podcast, a potential blog if you repurpose that podcast content into a blog. You also have a potential blog if you do video the podcast too. You also have little snackables you can make from the video, from the audio, from the blog, some quote cards. So that two-hour investment can take you, you know, can spread that piece of content far and wide just through repurposing. So I think that's another way to kind of inject speed into content production if you think about repurposing. And, you know, when it comes to repurposing, video is the best way because video, you can do visuals, you can do graphics, you can do audio from that, you can pull audio from there, you can write a blog from there. Video is great when it comes to repurposing, but you can do it with podcasting as well. You just, you know, figure out a way to, to, to repurpose in, in a way that scales your business message. Yeah, I mean, you, you can take, yeah, you can create visuals from, um, you know, quotable parts of an episode. You exactly. can do audiograms, these sorts of things that, are, you know, little snippets of the of the of the podcast episode that will play directly into in a, um, a social media feed, for example, or, or have the text going across it, that kind of thing. There's, I mean, there's so many things you can do with it, which which comes with its own dangers that you can end up down that rabbit hole and it can end up taking a you know time out. But that's why you. That's that's why there are, are, are businesses like yours out there that can actually take this on for you, um, because I don't think you should do it all yourself, because if you're running a business, your job is to turn up, speak your expertise or build the relationships and then sort of pass it on to, um, you know, to, to, to people that sort of actually can handle the the tech side of it, the uh, the chopping up, the content distribution, that kind of thing. So what is it? I mean, I've, I've kind of hinted exactly what you do for people. Um 
explain what a, pro, a, a pod in case people don't know what a podcast production company actually does and the value and benefit that that provides somebody that would that would come and work with you yeah no thanks for that adam I, I appreciate the subtle hints that you've made about the business so essentially what we are is at Ginny media we are your outsource podcast production team so we provide services to our clientele where literally all they have to do is focus on recording the content and that can take form of the client goes into a studio and records the content in audio and video form or the client records in their home their own setup wherever they have that so essentially all the client has to do is send us the audio files and we edit it we write show notes for it we also create artwork from the uh, podcast episode we also repurpose the content um, to a scale whichever you desire so we put in these systems in place and when you hire us we turn over the audio within 48 hours and you have the artwork and show notes shortly thereafter and that way it's just easy for clients to just create podcast at a consistent scale because all they have to focus on is recording the content and that's kind of the easy plug and play solution that we formed at Ginny Media too. We also do um, you know additional things around the podcast like strategy, how to grow your audience, what's the best way to you know maximize the value of your podcast. So it's not just podcast production that we do, we look at the podcast as a long-term investment in your brand real estate uh, for want of a better term. So this way you can be like, okay, how can I really squeeze the value out of creating this piece of content and how can I do it in a way where my time is maximized and my value for this from this podcast is maximized too. So we do podcast podcast production, podcast strategy, and we also do content repurposing as well. They're the three key things that we do for podcasting. As someone, yeah, as obviously who runs a podcast, <laughs> that just sounds like heaven. To be able to simply turn up, talk, and then, I mean, a lot of what I do is sort of a similar thing in terms of um, I have people that do a lot of this, but to actually have it all on one, under one roof where you've literally got one business or, or you know, doing all of that for you. Um, I've kind of piecemealed some of it together. When I started looking around, I didn't find a business or never saw anything like this that would actually be able to take literally everything on. There was a, you know, companies that say we could edit, we could do the the introductions, we could do some of the graphics, all that kind of thing, but not one that does absolutely everything, or at least I never found it anyway. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So I'm going to kind of be cheeky and, and almost ask for a little bit of free uh, free advice, really, as, as someone <laughs> that does, Adam. you know, run a run a podcast because you, you sort of mention about the, uh, the the strategy side of it and getting the most out of it. So, what would you say to someone that has either they they have an existing podcast or they're thinking of of or they've just started? What is one of the, the the best things that you could sort of advise someone that is looking to either grow the the listenership or, or get the most strategic value from having the podcast? I think a key thing that I've found valuable with someone starting a podcast or is or and or is looking to grow their podcast audience numbers is make sure you set yourself up in a way that you can fully understand, you know, what your audience behavior is. Now, unfortunately, there's no media hosting service or any of the apps that disclose demographics. Um, I know SoundCloud does, but, you know, SoundCloud's not uh, the platform. Apple Podcasts is a platform that hosts up to 70% of the podcast listenership. So they have the, the lion's share when it comes to podcast listeners. SoundCloud, I know, does do demographic breakdowns sometimes, um, but sometimes that sample size isn't enough to understand what your whole audience behavior is. But when you're starting a podcast and when you're looking to grow your audience, the one thing I recommend people to invest in is a decent media host. 
And by that, I mean the, the distribution service or the media hosting platform that you upload your final episode edit and your show notes to. So that's the platform that sends the podcast out via the RSS feed to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the, the wonderful apps that we listen to podcasts on. So invest in a decent media host. Now, there's a type there. Um, I recommend one called Pippa, which is, uh, if you want the link, it's P-I-P-P-A.io. And it's a great, um, great media analytics dashboard because it, it breaks down audience behaviors like, you know, what country they're listening from to what city they're listening from, what time they tune in, what apps they're listening on, what platforms are they listening on, what devices are they listening from, um, what's been your most popular uh, traffic driver. So what's been your most popular source of um, driving content? So if you're putting up a landing page and you're finding you're getting a lot of um, listens from that landing page, people will show that as a referral link. So these are things that you can, these are, these are data points that you can use to understand your audience. Another key data, I guess, uh, analysis of your audience is if you go into your Apple podcast, iTunes dashboard. So if you go, when you submit your podcast to iTunes, sorry, Apple podcast, you know, you go online and there's a dashboard that you can have a look at an analytics dashboard within Apple podcasts. It'll say the amount of people that have subscribed to the podcast to the, the percentage that hasn't. It'll also give you a key data figure on how your content is being consumed. So there's a consumption rate. And what that tells you is it gives you a rough idea of your audience behavior. Cause if you're finding you're doing one to one and a half hour podcasts and your consumption rate is 50% and you find that you're doing, you know, 30 to 40 minute podcasts and your consumption rate is 80 to 90%. What that tells you is your audience are listening roughly 40 minutes, 30 to 40 minutes each time. And that's a key data point because, you know, that way you can invest your time wisely. And, you know, if you're recording podcasts for an hour and a half, you could literally record three take the same time, record three and get more value out of it. So these little points that allows you, you to understand your audience behavior, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm, maybe Apple are working on this, but it would be amazing if we could know the demographic breakdown of who's actually listening um, to the podcast that you're, you're putting out there. But these are the data points available out there that you can utilize to get an understanding of what your audience behavior is doing. Like, are they listening during their commute? Uh, is it a lunchtime listen? Is it a nighttime listen? You got to think about these things when you're, um, you know, creating the content because this is what your audience is doing and this is how they're reacting to your podcast. So if you want to grow it, you have to understand their behavior more. Absolutely. And, and there's, yeah, there's all sorts of things you can then look at that. If, if there's a particular trend in when people are dropping off and let's say that you've got, your call to action that's after that, then it's kind of wasted. So it's, it's sort of like bringing that forward. Otherwise, exactly. it's not necessarily going to be doing what you uh, what you want it to do. And something, I mean, I, I use Libsyn, but then I think a lot of people do, and that's that's often the first thing they use. But something that I've, uh, and, and we're in danger of going really techie geeky, so um, uh, I'll look at my consumption rate at this point and <laughs> see how it's just dropped off because I'm going to get geeky. But <laughs> something called Chartable that um, is, is quite a new thing. Um, and that's it's like a, a a third party app that you add a URL URL parameter to your RSS feed, which actually gets you some of those demographics. Oh, really? I don't know how accurate it is. I've uh, yeah, I've I found it and uh, put it on, and it does start showing some of it. And, and yeah, I can see the consumption rates, and um, it says you know where you know what people are listening on, where they're coming from, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that's lots and lots of information that um, wasn't previously available. So 
it's just showing that evolution of podcasting and and and, and how things are changing so uh, the, the last thing i want to ask you around is is how you've taken your business um, from a standing start, essentially. I think uh, I've seen it described as taking it from three figures to, to six six figures in, in 12 months. And how did you focus your efforts on, on doing that? And, and what could people learn from that experience that you've been through? So when it was three figures, and just to give a bit of context, I was actually working a full-time job. <laughs> um, the full-time job I had was completely, completely a different industry to, to podcast production. It was actually, I was building airplane parts for the 787 Dreamliner plane in Australia. So that was shift work for me. So I did, you know, so I knew like I clocked on, clocked off. I was there. It was one of those jobs that was great because it paid well. I didn't have any additional stress from the work. And also I never had to take work home because you couldn't, I can't take an airplane home. It's physically and <laughs> it's physically impossible <laughs> for me to take an airplane wing home <laughs> without, you know, people getting questioned or the authorities being alerted that, you know, this <laughs> yeah, Sri Lankan absolutely. girl is driving with a wing on a car rooftop. But, um, but um, the great thing about that was I could use my downtime. And I remember in my, and this is also where the hustle mentality and the you know, using my time to extract the, the most value that I could. And I got that, got that mentality from my time at Joy. When I was at the studio, I was sending emails out, thinking ahead, who can I have on the show? So I was always constantly thinking about ways of how I could make this show fantastic when, you know, we turn the mic on and it would broadcast to Melbourne. So I was thinking in my breaks, I would email, you know, I would, you know, pitch for podcast production work on Upwork. I'd pitch on Fiverr. I'd um, go to freelancer.com. So I'd, I'd work through these freelancer sites and try to, you know, pitch for work that I could get. And in my lunch breaks, I'd take interviews for the phone calls. Before work, I'd take interviews. Afterwards, I'd, I'd pitch for jobs. So that's how it started off where I was just doing job by job by job, hourly jobs, pretty, pretty, um, I I'll say pretty low hanging fruit in terms of what we do now in the context of what we do now. So I'd do audio editing for some people. I do audio editing and transcribing for some, and then I just do, you know, general podcast production for some other people. So it's just kind of building up my, my editing muscle because what was happening as a result of having a podcast, Adam, I, I was organically also getting approached by people saying, Hey, can you show me how to do a podcast? And I'm like, yeah, I can edit for you. I can do this for you. And I literally just, started, you know, accidentally falling into these things and these behaviors. And I realized, okay, so I'm audio editing, I'm transcribing, I'm writing show notes, but also for my own podcast, I was thinking some things that I need is I need to also create artwork for the podcast too. So what's, what happened as a result was I had to, when I moved to the US, I was thinking, okay, how can I scale the processes or i.e. scale me and what I do? So I knew that there were three parts to what I did and I needed to put processes in to make these things smoother. So for the first three months, I remember from, from like January to April in my time in New York, I was, think, I was working 16, 17 hours a day because literally I was doing the bulk of the work and I'm like, I can't sustain this because this is not sustainable to work that amount of um, time. I also didn't want that, to be quite frank, too. I didn't want a life where I was working 17 hours a day and, and you know, only getting one hour with my partner before bed or something like that. I didn't, I didn't think that was sustainable, and I also didn't want a life like that um, going into to 2017, it was at the time, or 2018 at the time. So what I did was I just looked at my processes. I, uh, you know, 
bought subscribed to some project management systems like Asana and Slack. And I'm like, this is how we're going to communicate. And then I literally just set up the process for each podcast that we did. And every time there's a new service that we offer, a new product that we offered, I wrote the process out in that way. And I'd coach said person to do it. So I just broke it up into the departments that I was doing all together. So I was doing the show notes. So I'd have a writing department. I was doing the audio. So I have an audio department. I also was quoting the design and sometimes doing the design. So we need a design department. And each, each department now has a head of, of Ginny Media. And that's how I was able to scale the business by looking at the processes, breaking them down and handing off my work to them. That was taking a lot of my time. So 25% of my time was taken up by doing audio editing. So I hired other people to do that. 25% of my time was taken up doing design. So I hired someone to do that. And that's how I scaled it. I was able to get quicker and client referrals were coming in. So I just run it through the machine that I'd set up and, you know, the machine's not perfect. I have to constantly tweak it, but that's what allowed me to scale is just, I was offloading the work that I was not necessarily um, not liking, but what I could, my value is in having these conversations and, you know, the hearing about people's ideas and then putting it into the system. My, I think my time is maximized in that way too. So that's pretty much how I scaled it. And I'm just, it's a process thing. It's also having that faith to know, okay, I'm going to hand off this baby to someone else. And once you employ that trust, um, people will show you who they are. Like the people that I've hired in my team, you know, touch wood, they've all been fantastic. And if they haven't, we have to have a conversation. So you have to have that trust that people will show you who they are. If you give them that trust up front, they'll run with it. Um, as far as they want to and as far as they can if they are going to keep that trust. If not, you know in time the rope will be broken. So, um, yeah, that's that's how I scale the business. And, uh, and there's there's multiple, multiple things in there that I could literally jump on right now and we could go for another three or four episodes because <laughs> the, the whole thing around the importance of systems, the importance of process, the importance of delegation, the importance of building a team and actually empowering a team to actually implement the... Um, the, the processes and the systems that you've set up, but also understanding that the machine is never perfect. It's exactly. constantly evolving. And that, yeah, there, there are so many things. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a systems geek. I, you know, there is not a, a, a large or successful sis, uh, business in the world that does not run on systems. I mean, exactly. you don't see Richard Branson cold calling, do you? So no. you just sort of think <laughs> he's not built a business <laughs> but you know just doing everything himself for example it's yeah there's so much i could go down there um but obviously i need to respect your time and maybe we can uh yeah pick up this conversation another day but um i've had a yeah is i've learned a lot i've learned an awful lot and um i hope everybody listening has as well so if they want to connect with you it's uh the website is genie media which is g-i-n-n-i media.com or one word is that right that is correct yeah, so where else could uh, people find you? Social network, uh, social media, why I said social network, that's so uh, That's so like five years ago, uncool. <laughs> but uh, where would people find you if they were looking? Um, you can find me at Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Ginny Media. Awesome. And I'll put all of those links in the uh, in the show notes. And um, one thing I haven't, I can't believe I haven't even sort of mentioned this is your own podcast, which is uh, The Ginny Show, uh, Curry, Comedy and Connectivity which um, I believe has, has received many accolades. So um, definitely go and check that out. <laughs> 
Thank you so much, Adam. Really appreciate the time that you've uh, shared with me today. And um, I hope we can connect again soon. I'll be uh, absolutely delighted to. And uh, yeah, thank you ever so much for joining me and um, happy fishing. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning into the show today. I know there are a lot of podcasts you could be listening to, but you've chosen this one and I'm truly grateful for that. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, I'd love if you could just take a few quick minutes to share your thoughts and leave an honest rating review for the show over on iTunes. It's not only important for helping others discover the show, but I also read each and every submission personally, and they really do mean the world to me. So thanks very much in advance and happy fishing.